Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. It's Pharrell on a bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bad seat, the broken eight, the bad apple with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bunch of bad, out of bad taste, bad log, bad dude, bad bread, bad attention, bad vibes. So people keep asking me. They say, Pharrell, what are you doing during the virus? What are you doing during the pandemic? What are you doing during the Pharrell-demic? What are you doing during the Hanta? And I thought I'd give people a little bit of an idea of what shakes out around the Pharrell Palatial each day during this lockdown period. So I'm usually the first one up in the hizzy every day. The rest of them are bums. They sleep. The young gun will sleep till noon, one o'clock. The chopper, more like 11, 30, 12 ish. 34 seal pop out of bed around 9 and grandma is just rocking it at around 9:45 10 a.m. So I got five people staying here during this craziness. But I'm usually the first one up. I'm up by 6:45 and I'm watching Good Morning America at 7, which is torture in itself. But of all the morning shows, that's the best one, without a doubt. CBS This Morning blows. The Today Show's just torture boring. And then Good Morning America is the only one you can watch, bottom line. Plus, I'm friends with Stray. Stray is my pal, whatever. He butchers that thing in the morning with making him read the teleprompter is a huge mistake. But he's so funny. Everybody loves him. He's got the greatest personality in the world. And then the rest of them, Stephanopoulos, Robin Roberts, all of them, the ginger, hot little weather chick, and Rob Marciano. They've had them all on there. They have Jen Ashton, the doctor that tells you nothing. She just goes on and on about how they're doing testing. And no matter what it is, flu season, whether it's shots, immunization, she'll just tell you, Everything you need to know, but really telling you nothing at all the entire time. And she gets paid a ton of money to come on and ramble in circles and tell you about your health. And then all of a sudden she's quarantined and they still got her on Skype giving everybody information. I think it's pretty hilarious. So anyway, I'm watching TV, hitting a coffee, and then, you know, somewhere around 7.45, 8 at the latest... I gear up for the Pharrella run where I hit the streets. So what I've been doing every morning is I'll put on sweats. I'll put on a sweatshirt. I'll put on my Vegas Golden Knights hat, my Pittsburgh Penguins rain jacket, 
and I will put on my Nike Zoom shoes and I will stretch for a few minutes, whatever. I do a few exercises, rotate my hips, blast out some stretches, like basketball stretches, calf stretches. And then I turn on the old Apple Watch and I hit the streets. It's interesting because I hate running. I think running sucks. There's nothing worse than running. I think outdoors even is torture because of the hills. I live in a really hilly place. So running up and down hills is about as much fun as having a colonoscopy. But I run like Forrest Gump. I mean, I have nothing better to do. We're trapped. There's nowhere to go. We're in this social distancing. Nobody's going anywhere. Everybody's staying away from each other. I see people walking all the time, walking their dogs, walking with their families. Everybody's on bikes, whatever. So I'm like running and I take off running and I have run through everything. I ran through snow. I've run through rain. I've run through sunshine. I've run through freezing cold. I've run with my hands completely frostbitten numb. I've run with wet feet. I have run starting out with a mile And then the next thing I knew, I was at two, then three, then four, then five, then six miles. I try to change my course every single day. I don't want to run the same route. There's too much monotony in it. So I try to just go a different way every single day, no matter what it is. I'll jigsaw all over town, all over neighborhoods, all over main streets, side streets, local streets, busy streets. I've run across lakes through this area where there's this giant lake. I run around the lake. So far, so good. Strangely enough, I am putting in massive miles. I'm blowing away my workouts at the gym where typically when I'm at the gym, I get up and I go and I ball for about a mile, mile and a half. I shoot threes. I shoot mid-range shots, elbow shots, free throws layups, hooks, reverses, wing shots, NBA three, dagger corner threes, every shot in a book, drop steps, jab steps, dribble drives, step backs, the whole deal. And then I go upstairs, I'll run on the treadmill. I run high speed intervals for a mile. And then I jump rope. Then I do box jumps. Then I lift weights. I do abs. And then pull-ups, stuff like that. I do something different every day. But then when I'm done, I swim 10 Olympic laps. So it's a really physical workout where I'm going three miles worth of cardio at least. And then lifting weights and swimming, right? But when I'm running on the streets, I'm going three, four, five, six miles, like I said. And then I get back to the crib And I am just absolutely shot. I'm exhausted. I am gassed. I am literally 20 pounds of soaking wet sweat. I mean, my hoodie soaked, my shirt soaked, my rain jacket soaked, my hat soaked, my legs are soaked, my feet are soaked. I mean, I am just sweating ass. So the thing I've noticed is when I get back, I lift weights. I have Bowflex dumbbells the rotating ones that have like 150 pounds each on each side. So I go and I do curls. I do overheads. I do squats. 
deadlifts, the whole deal. And I'm just working out with these dumbbells. And then I have the Ferrella court in the driveway, so I'm shooting hoops. Usually I'll run and then I'll lift and shoot hoops at the same time. When I'm done running, I'll hit the court and the weights and intervals. And then by the time I'm done, I have burned over 1,500 calories. I've had a heart rate get a buck 30 at least. And I'm feeling like I get an incredible workout. And the one thing I've noticed about the whole thing is that I'm definitely losing weight. I have an old man pouch gut. I always had that from 40 on. When you're older, you get a belly and it just is brutal to try to get rid of it. And it's absolutely the hardest thing ever. When you get older, you gain weight and you just cannot lose it. You can lose weight just about anywhere on your body, in your face, arms, all the rest, but you don't lose it in your belly. That belly fat is the hardest fat to get rid of. But I've noticed that since I've been running my ass off, and I mean, I have literally done it every day. You got to remember, I was working out seven days a week anyway, so I could play basketball, so I could be in shape to run and bang and play ball with these 20 and 30 year olds. I play with every great player you can imagine and a few bad players, but a lot of great players. And it's physical and it's violent and it's fast and it's a lot of running. And if you don't stay in shape, you'll get run off the court. You won't be able to play. You will not last. You will not survive playing where I play. So that's why I do the grind. That's why I do the workout. But the thing I've noticed about this coronavirus lockdown is that what's been going on? Two weeks? So imagine seven days a week at the gym till it was finally closed. And now it's been at least 14 days or something like that. So I have run, let's say, an average of four miles a day automatic. So you do the math. 14 days times four miles is 56 miles. So I've already put in 56 miles in 14 days. That's a lot of miles for a 54-year-old guy, if you ask me. I mean, I should be running, I would guess, two miles a day, three max would be good. Because I know that if you run three miles a day, you're good to go. I don't care what you eat. You're going to be fine. You're going to be in shape. If you legitimately run three miles a day and don't like sit around eating bags of Doritos and chugging soda and eating 10 donuts a day and two bagels and everything else and eating lots of bread and pasta and stuff like that, that you'll maintain weight no matter what you eat. If you run three miles a day, you'll maintain weight if you don't just eat tons of junk food and crap food, which, you know, I eat ice cream, I eat sorbet, I eat popsicles, stuff like that, Minute Maid, lemonade and raspberry, these ice pops, they're incredible. They're just phenomenal. They're so delicious. But they're not that bad for you. I mean, they're not great for you, but they're not that bad for you. And if you work out, run, lift a little, play a little hoops, you'll maintain your weight. But what I've noticed is is running, let's say, 60 miles, because I've had a couple of days where I went five and six miles. So I've gone over 60 miles in 14 days, and I've noticed clearly that my belly fat has gone way down. So I'm not as much of a fat ass as I normally am in the gut. I've always looked good. I'm always tight. I'm always physical and strong for an old dude. Basketball-wise, I can bang and get physical and chippy with anybody, and I know how to play dirty. The bottom line is is that I always had that little gut thing going, and now, since I've done all this running, it's literally right in front of my very eyes vanishing. It's awesome. So, yeah, I can't quit now. It's not like I'm having fun running. 
I think it sucks. I hate it. It's not like I'm having a blast or anything like that. It's a grind, and I'm dying doing it. I just feel like I get hit by a truck when I'm running, especially going up these big hills. It's brutal. I try not to think about it when I'm doing it. I try to just grind it out and try not to think about how much I'm suffering and how much I hate it and how winded I am and how just exhausted I am. I just wish someone would pick me up and drive me home when I'm five miles away from home or something like that. But then when I'm done and I shed all the 20 pounds worth of soaking wet clothes, I shower and then I feel pretty fantastic. Overall, I know I look good. I feel good. I mean, my hips hurt a little and my legs hurt a little. My lower back hurts a little from the shock of running every single day, four or five miles, whatever. But then you kind of get over it. It takes like an hour or two to fully get over that you've just pounded the streets. It's obviously better running on a treadmill, a soft treadmill, like one of those high-end treadmills they got at gyms. But running on a street's not good for you. It's cement, concrete, sidewalks. It's bad on your feet. It's bad on your shins. It's bad on your knees. It's bad on your hips. There's no denying it. It's no different than playing basketball. When you play outdoors, it's just bad. You play on outdoor hardcore, you'll have shin splints. You'll have bad knees. Your ankles will hurt. Believe me, you, I played outdoors a lot and street ball and stuff in the city and wherever. And it's always the same thing. It's a lot harsher on your body than playing on a good wood floor, a good basketball court indoors. That's why most people prefer to play indoors on good gyms that have spring to them and bounce and not as much abuse on their knees, shins and feet and ankles and stuff like that. So it hurts everything running on the street. So it's not like I'm enjoying it, but once I see the results and just that it's kept me healthy and it's burning belly fat, and I look fantastic and feel pretty good. If you work out a lot, I feel like you sweat a lot, and every day you're grinding and sweating and getting cardio in and swimming at the gym, whatever. I think that you stay healthy because the bottom line is is that when I used to not work out and maybe play ball once a week and do nothing else, It never did much for me, except maybe that one day, right? And then the other six days, you do nothing, and you're worthless, and you're a slob, and you're a loser. The bottom line is, if you work out every day, I believe, without a doubt, mentally and physically, and if you sweat and get in that kind of cardio, and you're soaking wet, and your heart's rocking, and your heart's beating double its normal rate, let's say you're at 130 instead of, you know, 65 or something like that, or 70, You're doing good for your body. You're doing good for your heart. And then I believe all that sweat that you're pouring out of your body is building your immune system and keeping it regenerated every day. I think you're just constantly evolving with your immune system and your body is just fantastic when it's constantly draining and sweating and re-upping every day. You go from dry to soaking wet, releasing all those toxins, releasing all that sweat and water and salt from your body, stuff like that. I think it's fantastic. I used to get sick like four times a year at least. You know, literally three or four times a year, I'd get a cold or flu. If I got a cold, it would last for seven to nine days. And then if I get one now that I work out seven days a week, it'll be maybe once a year. 
and it'll be for like four or five days maximum. I used to get a cold when I didn't work out and it would just automatically turn into a cough. So cold to cough. So it went from head cold to chest cold and coughing. And sometimes you'd cough for three weeks. Well, typically now, if I get a cold, it lasts for four or five days and I don't really see that it's turning into a chest cold and a cough. If I even get a cough, it lasts for maybe seven days at maximum because I don't smoke, I don't drink, and I work out so much and sweat so much, and I'm constantly evolving with my workouts and my cardio and sweating it out. So I think if you just keep churning and burning, you're burning calories, you're burning your heart rate, you're burning your immune system, and keeping it going like a steel mill, like a blast furnace. Literally, they're throwing coal in there and burning it, and they're churning and burning, and they're making steel. Bottom line is, I think it's the same thing with your body. Eat decent, work out, get rest, sleep, get a good night's sleep. You do these things. I don't think you get sick a lot. At least I don't. So I'll tell you one thing. In this virus world we're living in, where the Hanta is going to bring us to our knees and kill everyone, honestly, there's... Over 54,000 at the time of this taping confirmed cases of it. It's just unbelievable. And then globally, in the United States, 54,000 with 780 deaths. Globally, 430,000 plus with over 19,000 deaths. It's crazy, especially here in New York City. That It's just gigantic. The numbers are outrageous in New York City. It's the epicenter of the virus in America That's for sure. And I just think that if you don't work out and you don't take care of yourself and you just think you're going to walk around and avoid this virus, you are tripping. I think you can get sick easily. You have no idea who you're around, who you're in contact with, who you've been in contact with, where you've been, everything else. All that stuff could catch up with you. If you have a great immune system, I mean it. I think that if you're a person that works out every single day and sweats and grinds, I think those people, I will be willing to bet any amount of money on Sports Grid or anywhere else with any bookie, any better, anywhere, that if you work out and do these things and take care of yourself and sleep and sweat and get cardio every single day, I think your odds are astronomically higher than someone that does nothing, that's a lazy fat slob that sits around doing nothing and never takes care of themselves and never works out. They will get sick and the ones that work out will not get sick. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn, and most of all, 
I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So typically, when I'm done doing all that working out and everything else, I watch TV and I watch the news and I watch all these channels like MSNBC and CNN and Fox. And I definitely watch CNBC because of the markets, the financial markets. I have a lot of interest in money and stocks and bonds and things of this nature. I think like a lot of people, you have your 401ks and your annuities and stuff like that and savings and things of this nature in investments. And so I watch that stuff all the time. I was watching and they said that the Texas governor had ordered statewide that everybody stay at home, but they're not locked down. They're just stay at home orders and that uh, people are violating that and that people are ignoring those orders. It's just like the baseball team, right? Just like the Astros baseball team. I saw this giant wall hanging on the side of a building in Houston, excited for opening day and showing Bregman and the Astros are lit and ready to go and good to go and go win the World Series. Yeah, following orders. They're really good at following orders, the Astros, considering they cheat and they don't deserve that World Series they won. That's all I have to say. That was a joke. They should strip their ass of that World Series and the Red Sox should both be stripped. Houston and Boston should both be stripped. And in fact, it's hilarious. I heard that the people in Texas are ignoring the stay-at-home orders, just like the Astros ignored everything. Their apology for cheating was pathetic. And the entire organization is a joke. And I don't care what anybody in Houston thinks of me. They can all kiss my ass. And it's the same with the morons in Boston. Alex Cora cheated in Houston. Then he took his cheating system to Boston. And the Red Sox did the exact same thing with Cora. You can count on it. And we waited forever for their punishment. Never got it because of the virus and everything else. That took absolutely way too long. That's been a joke. Manfred's been a joke. The Red Sox are liars and cheaters. They're a joke. And I hope everything goes wrong like it already has. They traded bets. That was a stupid move. And then Sales' and arm fell off. He has to have Tommy John. I'm glad that happened. I mean it. I hope they have the worst season they've ever had in the Red Sox history. I hope the Astros do, too. I hope every player on the Astros ends up injured, and I hope they all get beaned 15 times each. I saw a story the other day that Liberty University was going to open for business, and that's Jerry Falwell's Christian University in Lynchburg. Jerry Falwell's son, Jerry Falwell Jr., runs that college and they've had pretty decent success in sports for a Christian school. There's no doubt about it. They had a great basketball team this season. But they opened their doors for kids to go back to college there and for teachers, the professors, to teach class. If they don't want to be there, they don't have to be there. The professors can teach via video conference to the students that are in their classrooms. And students can still do their work online. But if they choose, either the professors or the students or both, to go back to class and to be on campus and to live on campus and to live in dorms, they are open for business and they are doing it. They are defying the rest of the country 
everybody's shut down, everybody's locked down, everybody's at home, everybody's not working, all businesses are closed everywhere, you name it, they're all closed. And nobody's doing anything right now with this virus going on. But you're going to open up your college so students can go back to class? Obviously, that is a dangerous situation. And they're going to spread the virus. They're going to get the virus on that campus as sure as I'm sitting here. And they're going to spread it to everybody else. And I don't care what's going on in Lynchburg. They should not be allowing those students to go back to that college right now with this virus going on. I mean, that is almost as stupid as all those moron spring breakers that were down on the Florida beaches partying and drinking and doing blow and having sex with one another. I mean, what a group of stupid simpletons that was. And the same thing goes for Liberty University. What a bunch of asshats. Nice decision-making there, stupid ass. So the Senate finally struck a deal on a $2 trillion stimulus package to, I guess, allegedly save the world and the financial markets from collapsing. And it took them long enough to get their act together and finally get it passed. I was watching the stock market the other day, had a huge day. That was before they cut the deal. It was a huge day. And then when they actually finally got the deal done, the stock market started going down again. So it's unbelievable. Before the deal was cut for $2 trillion, the stock market was on fire on Tuesday of this week. And then when they cut the deal for the $2 trillion, then it went down on Wednesday when the markets opened. So it's just crazy. I'm just happy Burger King is giving out kids' meals free to everyone if you go to their drive through windows. My buddy owns a bunch of Burger Kings. He's filthy rich. I think that all those fast food places should stay open. And I think that all restaurants should stay open in the very least in the capacity and ability to have people do pickup because I'm doing a lot of that. I'm constantly ordering out and picking it up or having it delivered. I'm all for that right about now. I was ordering pizzas left and right and the wings left and right. I got it all going. I should be entitled to go to Wendy's. I should be entitled to go pick up my Habit Burger Double Char Grilled Styling. They got great milkshakes there. I love that place. I give it high grades. But all of the restaurants should stay open so that I should be able to go there, pick up food, and shove it in my face because I have to keep running so my gut doesn't get fat again. I saw they were giving small business relief, uh, $350 billion of it, paycheck protection, and that all employees would be rehired when this virus and the whole thing ends, that people will be able to get their jobs back. There's also loan forgiveness and proceeds are used for payroll, paid sick leave, insurance, mortgage payments, and utilities. So all these employees that aren't getting paid, that are losing everything, that they would be able to not have their power turned off, their cell phone turned off, their water turned off, making that illegal for that to happen. I think that's a good idea. It's basically the largest financial aid deal or relief bill Two trillion in the history of this country. Never before has there ever been anything even remotely close to this two trillion dollar deal that the Senate passed. How about Prince Charles testing positive for the virus? It's crazy. More people have died in Spain than in China because of the virus. It's crazy. 
But they've opened up all these restaurants and stuff again in China. They're back to business there. So at the very least, that's a good sign, right? They have gotten through the worst of it, and they're getting back on their feet and getting businesses open in China. I mean, that bodes well for everybody else, right? I know Spain. I know Italy. The United States is terrible. India, all the rest. But it's going to be the same process, right? First China got through it, and now everybody else will get through it. I would guess that Spain and Italy would get through it before the U.S. gets through it. So by the way, I was watching, because at night I'll watch movies, right? And I've given you a lot of movie reviews. I've even talked about movies that I've been in on the Pharrell on a Bench podcast. But I was watching Fox News a lot during this news cycle with the virus and everything. I just go from channel to channel to channel to see all the BS and the rhetoric that they spew. But Fox News, I mean, they just top the cake, don't they? And then I finally watched that movie about... Roger Ailes. It was called Bombshell, and it was all about the sexual harassment scandal at Fox News in New York City with that creepy Roger Ailes who ran the whole thing. He was the head of the television division, the most powerful man in television news, maybe in all of television, and he was a freak. He was like a pervert. He was obsessed with women, and he made them wear dresses, short, tight dresses, And he would make him come to his office and he would make him do silhouette spins. He'd make him lift up their dresses. He'd basically make them show them their privates. He wanted to touch them. He wanted to have sex with them, allegedly. It was insane. And then all of these women that worked there, they all ended up suing him in multiple civil lawsuits and then individual lawsuits. And they all went after Roger Ailes for being a massive sexual harasser. And they got him. They got the guy fired. It was unbelievable. And then I knew one of the guys that worked there that was in the movie, Bill Shine. I know Bill. He's a guy that I've had involvement with. I certainly knew him. In fact, when I told the story earlier about Stray, so Michael Strahan and I did a pilot together, a TV pilot, where I took him to this restaurant in Manhattan And we had dinner, and they filmed the whole thing. And it was me having dinner with him, talking about his career. And then I took that show, and I showed it to Bill Shine, and he liked it a lot. And he still said it was a 70% project. I needed to make it a 100% project. He said it was missing 30%. It wasn't good enough, right? So I think that was a nice way of shooing me and letting me know he wasn't going to put it on the air. Bottom line is, I always thought he was straight up. I liked the guy. I never had a problem with him. He was brutally honest with me. I knew him through my friend Big Daddy, who introduced me to him because Big Daddy works at Fox News. Big Daddy's the sports correspondent for Fox News Live and all those shows in the morning, Fox and Friends. And then Big Daddy will go on there and talk about the sports world and athletes and their estates and their money, their contracts, their insurance, their disability insurance and all that stuff. And so he's the one to introduce me to Shine. So Shine was part of the Roger Ailes army and Shine got fired too. They said he was another one that was talking dirty to women and sexually harassing women. They all got fired. All of those suits that ran Fox News got fired. And this movie had them all in there. Hannity was in this movie. Brett Burns was in this movie. Every anchor there, Greta Van Susteren was in this movie. 
Megyn Kelly was really the force of the movie, and it was played by Charlize Theron. And then it was just unbelievable. Nicole Kidman was in it. She played the other powerful woman. She was really the first one that ended up suing him. But John Lithgow played Ailes, and they packed on the weight. They put on all these fake weight suits on him and all this makeup on him and made him out to be this 300-pound fat ass, which Roger Ailes was. And Nicole Kidman had years of sexual harassment abuse that she had kept a file on. She kept everything that he ever did to her, notes of it, and proof that he was doing it. And then she eventually got fired because she got old, if you will, on the network. Once they get old, they get rid of them. They keep nothing but young, hot chicks on there. And you know what's crazy is, is that they fired all those people. All those women got hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuit victories and payouts and settlements. And then they all went away. Megyn Kelly went away. Kidman's character, she went away. She took her money and ran. But it's crazy. To this day, you can't even deny it, that they still kind of run that ship the same way. Fox News still has nothing but hot chicks on it with tight dresses and long legs. They still do the same stuff that Roger Ailes used to sell. Hot chicks doing the news. And we also know what they do on Fox News, which is absolutely shill for Donald Trump. And Hannity, who I'm friends with, he's his lackey at the highest level. I mean, is he not on that guy's nuts or what? It's funny because when I worked at Howard Stern and Howard 101, It's serious. It was right next door to Fox News. I was in the building right across the street from the Fox News Tower on 6th Avenue. It's basically at 48th and 6th in New York City. And I used to see all of those talent from Fox, Brian Kilmeade, all of them, every single one of them. It didn't matter who it was. I saw them all every day on the streets, walking around with their expensive suits on and their makeup on and running down the street for a coffee before they had to go on TV. Or I'd see them in the restaurants at Del Frisco's. I'd see them in all the other restaurants around the area. No matter what it was, they were everywhere. I'd see them in the bars, drinking, partying. I'd see them outside smoking cigarettes before they went on air because they were all stressed out and whacked out people. I mean, they're all just television talent. And they run them through that grinder there like nobody's business. It was crazy because we carried all the Fox channels on Sirius. They still do to this day. And they have a partnership with them. And it's right across the street from Sirius, right in that tower, the Howard Tower. I got a kick out of that. I was always over there. My buddy works at Fox News. His name's Rob. He runs all those shows. He used to run Hannity's show, and he's worked with all those guys through the years. He ran Geraldo Rivera's show and every show there, you name it. He used to get me to go on these shows and argue with people. So I would go on Fox and argue with people about stuff, and he always got a kick out of me because I was entertaining and everything. But then it was weird. When I went to CBS Sports Radio, they wouldn't let me go on Fox. They got all bent out of shape about me going on television anywhere at all. CBS didn't want me to do anything. It's funny, they let all their other minions and lackeys go on SNY and on CBS Sports Network. And I never understood that. They let everybody do whatever they want in television, but they never let Pharrell do any television because they were obsessed with shutting me down and making me basically 
non-existent in that marketplace. They just wanted me to do nationally syndicated nighttime radio, own that market, and do nothing else. I mean, the bottom line is when I was on CBS Sports Radio, I had the best national sports talk show at night in the history of the world. I mean, let's just face facts. So I ran it. I was the king of nighttime, late night radio in America and Canada. And that's all there was to it. And everybody knows it. I kicked everyone's ass. I mean, I literally shredded everyone six ways till Sunday. And then my bosses wanted to make sure that they kept me in my little cell, my little jail cell. I wasn't allowed to do anything with anyone else except them. And that was that. And that was final. The best thing I ever did was leave there. The best thing I ever did was bolt out of CBS Sports Radio and go to Sports Grid. Because now I'm on television every day. People can watch me doing my thing. I can talk sports betting without having CBS lawyers up my ass and ruining my show. They would never let me talk about PharrellandTheBench.com. They didn't like when I talked about betting. They didn't like when I talked about spreads and money lines. They didn't like when I had action on hockey games in the Stanley Cup playoffs and I was talking about covering bets. And so they were a pain in my ass. And they wouldn't let me do anything ever for anyone else. So it was a waste of my time. I bottom line, seven years was a waste. All I did was it was like being in prison. So I went to Sports Grid and now I get to go on TV every day and talk betting. I can talk about anything I want in regards to betting. And I'm on in hundreds of millions of homes. We're on every streaming service known to man. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. We're going on Roku next in April. So the bottom line, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We got on the ground floor at Sports Grid in the sports betting television business. And I'm excited about it. I love doing it. I like doing coast to coast. I like doing in-game live. I do the Pharrell on the Bench podcast on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And we kick out all the stuff we do on all social media platforms everywhere. Facebook. I have three Facebook pages. I got LinkedIn. We got Instagram. We got at Scott Farrell on Twitter, at Farrell on Grid on Twitter. 
So we're doing all kinds of exciting things. We're on YouTube. We're on Pluto. We're on Zumo. We're on Stir. And you can get all of my shows on the TV, on the YouTube channel. Just subscribe to it, the Sports Grid channel on YouTube. Just look it up. Just search YouTube and then search Sports Grid channel and you'll find it. And then we're literally on everywhere. TV.com, you name it. It's on every service known to man. And it just keeps getting more gigantic by the month and by the day. So I love doing it. But I remember the stuff I did on Fox and working next to Fox. It was crazy. And then when I saw that movie about uh, all their uh, dealings with women and sexual harassment of women there and abuse of women there, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was just absolutely unbelievable. I thought it was a really good movie. I liked it. I gave a high mark. We enjoyed it. I watched it with 34C and her mom. But nothing at all, nothing would top the movie that I watched next. Parasite won the Oscar for Best Picture. It was the Academy Award winner. And it was this Korean film. It won all the Oscars. Everybody was shocked that it won. Nobody, I don't think, wanted it to win. Nobody in Hollywood thought it would be the best picture. It was a stunner that it won best picture and all the best director, all the rest. But I got to tell you, I watched this movie and I was blown away. I thought Parasite was absolutely kick-ass. I mean to tell you, that movie was just unbelievable. I was just freaking out watching it. You have to pay attention to the movie, right? Because it's in subtitles, so you have to read the movie because it's in Korean. So all the actors are speaking Korean, and the entire thing's a foreign film. But if you watch it and read it and pay attention and focus, you will thoroughly enjoy this movie. I mean, without a doubt, it was just so fabulous. I can't even begin to tell you. Now, listen, as you know, I play Spoiler Pharrell, and I like to ruin it for everyone. And I don't care what you think. If you don't like it, then don't listen to the Pharrell on the Bench podcast. But here's the deal. This movie was crazy. So it was the story of this family of Koreans that are living in poverty, absolute poverty. They have nothing. They have no money, no jobs, no food, barely any clothes. They live in this tiny dump shack apartment in like a hellhole part of the city, wherever they are in Korea. I think they're in Seoul, South Korea, but they live basically in squalor and in hell, literally in the end of an alley in this lower basement scum apartment. And the thing about it is, is that they have no luck in life, obviously no jobs or anything where they have fortune or money or blessings. They just have each other. And the funny thing is, is that they're all very smart 
So the family has no money to be able to go to college or to have a car or food or anything. They have nothing. And everyone around them is broke and poor and drunk and peeing in the alley and going to the bathroom in public and stuff like that. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy where they're living. You're just like, oh, my God, that would be awful because it is awful. But the funny thing is, is that the son ends up getting a job because his friend is leaving the country to study abroad. So his best friend is leaving South Korea to go study abroad and he asks him to do him a favor. He's like, be a tutor for one of my students. So he teaches this extremely rich family's kid, this daughter, she's like at least 16 or 17 or something like that. But she needs to be with a tutor because she struggles in school. And they want her to go to college. So the family that is millionaires, they hire this guy. He's the tutor and he's doing a great job and everything. But he's going to leave the country. And they know he's leaving the country. So he recommends his friend to do it. And his friend is the poor kid. And the poor kid is very smart. He's like, listen, all you have to do is go over there and BS your way through this, that you're a genius and that you can teach her. And we're going to tell him that you're a professional tutor. You're very good at what you do. You teach some of the best classes in all of Seoul. And all of your students are successful. And they all end up getting really good grades and going to college. And you're a winner. And you charge a lot of money to do it. So this family, the wife falls for it. She has no idea that he's poor, that he lives in squalor. She has no idea other than that he's a tutor and that he's really smart. And so when he goes over there to sell himself, he brings all these fake documents like where he went to college and his degrees that he has. And he did all that. He's really smart. So he made all these forged documents of graduate, MBAs, everything else. And then where he studied in all these high-end schools and got all these degrees. So the bottom line is he wins her over. And then he starts teaching the girl. And he's really good at doing it because he's so smart. And she's kind of struggling in school. So she's an easy prey. So he not only ends up helping her and getting her grades up and doing a great job and she really likes him and everything else but bottom line is he ends up falling for her they hit it off like i mean magic and they're like making out in no time and getting it on and they become lovers so these two are getting it on and all the rest and then one thing leads to another so the girl is in high school and she's got a little brother and the little brother's five years old, four years old, and he's nothing but trouble. And he's all over the place, 100 miles an hour, and he's just uncontrollable, and he's a mess. And he won't do his schoolwork, and he won't do anything. He's like in kindergarten or something like that, and he won't do anything. He just doesn't listen to the mother. He gets along great with the father. The father's a multimillionaire businessman, so he only shows up at night for dinner and going to bed. He's like, nice to see you, son. I love you, all the rest. 
but the mother has to deal with this maniacal kid all day and he's just insane he's throwing stuff he's throwing darts around the house he's shooting arrows and stuff he's crazy the kid thinks he's an indian he's living in a teepee in the yard the whole deal so this is incredible what happens the poor kid that's tutoring the high school girl he's got a sister and a mom and a dad just like this family this rich family's got a husband wife the daughters in high school and a little brother well the the poor korean family has the college-aged tutor and a sister like a year or two younger and then the mom and the dad so the next thing you know the guy tutoring the high school girl convinces the mother that she should hire the girl but he doesn't tell her that it's his sister he says i know a woman that's the best teacher in the world for troubled kids and kids with issues that they don't listen to their parents and they're crazy and they're wild and they break things, smash things, they're out of control. I know the perfect person to help you deal with this kid. And it's this woman and she charges a lot of money, but she's really good at what she does. And I guarantee you she'll turn that kid into a winner. So the mother's like, oh, absolutely. I need to meet this woman. So she meets her and then one thing leads to another. And she tells her, I charge a lot of money. This is what I do. I do this art therapy and all this other high end stuff that gets kids to focus and gets them disciplined. And then the mother falls for it and hires her for big bucks. So now the son and the daughter of the poor family are now working for the rich people. She's tutoring this little troublemaker boy. And then the high school girl's being tutored by her brother. So now two of them are in the house in this mansion and they're fleecing them for big money. Next thing you know, the rich family has a maid that has worked for the family forever and she's been there from day one. In fact, she was with the other owner of the mansion. So when that guy sold the mansion to the rich Korean family, she stayed and worked for them. She had worked for the other guy for her whole career. And then she ended up working for this rich family too. She just stayed and she ran a tight ship. I mean, she was the best housemaid ever. She did all the meals, all the cleaning, all the cooking, everything. She watched the kids, the whole deal. So... One thing leads to another, and they get her fired. They get her tossed out on her ass, and they did it in this diabolical way. And I'm not even going to tell you what they did to her, but it was very diabolical, and it was awesome. And then to replace her, they get the poor family's mother to be the new housemaid. And so she starts BSing her way into the job, gets the job, starts doing the job, doing a great job because she's smart and she's an absolute con artist. And she starts being the housemaid and doing all these jobs around the house and feeding the family and doing everything. And she's really good at what she does. She can cook, she can clean, she does it all. And she's as good, if not better, than the woman that had been there forever. I mean, now you got three of the family members in this millionaire's house. Why not go for the full house and they get the father to become the driver for the father of the millionaire he needed a driver so they got the driver that worked for him fired they set him up with a sex crime 
and then he got fired, and then they hire, obviously, the father of the poor family. So now the entire poor family is working for the millionaire rich family, and then I mean to tell you, once they get inside this family's mansion and start working for them, all hell breaks loose. I mean to tell you, literally all hell breaks loose. You cannot even fathom what happens in this movie with the manipulation and the lying and the games being played. You got the son sleeping with the high school daughter. You got the sister tutoring the little troublemaker boy. You got the mother as the housemaid and you got the father driving the millionaire father of the Korean rich family around in his Mercedes and taking him to all of his business meetings and everything else. And as they're driving, he's giving him all this advice because the father of the poor family is older than him and he's got all this alleged wisdom and he's sharing it with the young millionaire father who seems to never be around his family or his kids and how he feels like they don't love him and that he's losing them and he's never around and he's not a good dad. And so this poor guy is giving him advice on how to get his wife back in his good graces and start making love to him again and everything else. And then how to get your kids to adore you and love you. And I mean, this is like manipulation city. It's con artist city. It's insane what they do to get in these people's heads. And then how it unfolds. I'm not even going to tell you how it unfolds. It's so crazy and so insane and so off its rocker. It's so unbelievable. I can't even begin to tell you. It is fantastic. It is kick ass. It takes you on an absolute trip, a journey of a mind for all. I mean, it will absolutely turn you inside out. You can't even believe what happens. You can't even describe this, what happens to this family. Both families. What happens to both families is it's just unthinkable. It's so imaginative and bright and brilliant and well done and well written and well acted. I thought it just blew my mind. I thought the actors, the Korean actors were awesome. I thought the director that directed it, you could tell he was awesome. He deserved the Oscar for best director because the movie was so titties. I mean, it was unbelievably well done, precise, fantastic, kick-ass, fun. It made you think. It made you watch. It made your jaw drop. You were blown away. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on, crimes and misdemeanors. You got to see it. It is the best movie I've seen, bar none. Of all the movies I've done on the Pharrell and Ebert, you know, Siskel and Ebert, you get a little Pharrell school and Ebert action every day, and I'm constantly giving you what to watch, best movies, movie reviews, everything else during this Pharrell-demic going on in lockdown, and you're at your home, you're sick of your family, you got to have something to do every day. Might as well watch the movies I tell you to watch because they're so kick-ass. All I do is find find winners for you and i give you another one i mean parasite kick-ass bombshell solid uncut gems loved it you gotta watch those three and then you'll be good to go so there you go another exciting edition of me telling you how to spend your day working out and what to watch even the news channels 
and the money channels and the movies, everything. I give you everything. Don't have sports to watch? Who cares? Pharrell finds better things for you to binge watch. I am the king of helping you through this Pharrell-demic. Stay focused, folks. Stay focused. Stay focused. It's Pharrell on a band. Shake head. Who? Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.